Marty, um, <laughs> lovely to meet you. It's uh, it's been a little difficult with technology, but finally we're here. Uh, yeah, so here, here we are. It's my my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this, and and uh, we've overcome a few minor glitches, but no big deal. Here we are. So uh, uh, fantastic. So, um, can you tell us where exactly are you based? I am in Solana Beach, California, which is part of San Diego County. So San Diego is right on the border with Mexico. I'm on the north end of San Diego County. Um, in my home and not on the ocean, I can, I've always said I can smell the ocean from here and I can see the highway. Wow. So I'm on, the wrong, I'm on the wrong side of the hill. Um, <laughs> but it's, a, it's actually, I'm very fortunate. I have a short walk to the ocean and, uh, a short walk to a lagoon here that is, uh, is quite a pleasant hike. Sounds terrible. Uh, I feel very sorry for you. Um, well, it's what we pay our property taxes for here <laughs> in Southern California. They don't give it to us. No, I'm sure they don't. I'm sure they don't. I was, I was just looking at, at your website, as I, as I do with most people, and, um, you know, your, your photos are absolutely fantastic. Um, but also, I see your an award-winning cinematographer um, with lots of credits. Uh, National Geographic, BBC, Discovery, PBS, Howard Hall, many, many, many more. Have you got a preference? Have you got one you like, either doing photography or, or cinematography? I, 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 yes, and I've gone back. I have, we'll say I've gone back and forth, and back and forth with preference. Here, here's the thing. I loved working in the film business. The, the best times of my life were having adventure with a documentary crew of just a few people that you really got to know and they were your best friends in life at that time and everybody shared a lot of responsibility and the, the whole thing was just get the job done. And I love that. The business of film just beat me into the dirt. <laughs> I just dealing with the executives and the deal makers, it was, was their, their life is different. I'm not saying it's wrong. They put our films on, on TV. They're just, a, it's like a can of peaches in the grocery store. It's another piece of inventory. It's there. It's gone. You do this for years in your life to make this film you you worry about not getting one shot or getting one line right in the narration and it keeps you up at night. And then all of a sudden it just goes away. Their deal is to make the best possible financial deal for their entity. My deal was to make the best possible film. And those, the, there was kind of a, there, and in fairness to the producers, if you ask a filmmaker how much does it cost to make a film, there is no top limit. If you give me the money, I will spend it. And if you give me more money, it costs more money. And so it, 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 is, a, it is an unanswerable question, and therein lies a conflict. So after 20 or years or 25 years of this, I kind of moved up where I was started as an assistant, and I became a cinematographer, and then I became a film producer. And then I had more meetings with people than I was spending time on the ocean. So it's a bit of a long-winded answer. So I got tired of it and went back to shooting stills. I gave up some money, uh, which I regret okay, uh, often. 
but I worked with people at, at uh, a magazine called Dive Training in the United States. It's a North American publication. I really liked them, like them. I like our mission. Uh, I say liked, we're suspended now because of COVID. And I had control over what I wrote. I was responsible for the whole thing. If I made a mistake, it was there because I made it. But that's, uh, I guess you ask an open-ended question and I probably exceeded my time limit. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, in fact, you're, you're hitting home with me, uh, absolutely. When I first started, it, I don't know, it was like, it was like a family. You know, you, you, you go and you, you talk to a producer or somebody and, and, and you'd sit down maybe over a beer and talk over an idea. And, you know, if you both liked it, you'd go and you'd make it. And, and, it was, and then much later, um, it became, as you're saying, uh, a, a business. And it was who could do it cheapest, who could save the money, da 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 And in the end, I retired. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I, I understand that. I, I, the first deals I did were signed on a napkin at a bar. You know, that's, and that was the handshake agreement. Well, then what happens is companies buy those companies, buy those companies. That, that napkin is gone. And the handshakes are gone. And then there's 23-page contracts that I can, I can understand the first paragraph. And all of that, and so it just took the fun out of it, and and uh, and God knows I got in it for the for the adventure. I mean, they they have a responsibility, and I'm not trying to say that producers don't belong. I don't have a network. I can't broadcast anything. But but anyway, that's that's kind of my story. So I got back into the stills world. I made a living. I enjoyed it. The thing I regret is sometimes I'm out on a boat with sport divers shooting stills on the lee side of the reef. And I can look over on the windward side and I know it's rougher, but there's the film crew with a bunch of animals I can't get to right now. We're trying not to let people get seasick and they're trying to go get, you know, the shot they want. And, and that's part of life. And I miss those times. I, I say I do. I don't, nobody misses a rough seas, but I'm, I miss the adventure. And now I'm 71 years old, and I suppose there, there are younger people that can do some of that stuff a lot, lot better than I can. My ego doesn't like that, but reality is what it is. Yeah, indeed. It's, um, once again, I hear you. I, I, I miss it myself although I don't really want to go back. But, of course, technology has, has come on so far and it's, it's made those possibilities of doing more and more cinemagraphic uh, sequences uh, so much easier. Um, you know, there's still a lot of work, et cetera, et cetera, but the technology has helped quite a bit, I think, now. Oh, no, no question, no question, but the bar's gotten higher. It, yes. you know, when I, when I, Jeff, when I look at some of the first photographs I had published, and, and seriously, the photographs that put me in my beginning of my career, put me on, for lack of a better expression, on the map as far as photographers go, you know, underwater, they're horrible. <laughs> they're technically, you know, they're embarrassing to look at now. But I can remember 
thinking, why can I do this? Because I thought I could do better than the photographs of my heroes that were published before me. The technology's just made it that way. And now, the thing I hear now that I, I have a bit of an issue with, I, I will hear per, my professional peers fuss sometimes about anybody can call themselves a professional, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, so have something better to say. Have, have a new idea, have a, another way of showing it. It's very hard to find an animal that hadn't been photographed before. You know, and, and when I first started, you just had to get them kind of in focus and kind of well exposed. And you had the first of many of these creatures. And uh, life's just different. You know, we, I've heard it said that I grew up in the golden age of sport diving or of scuba diving, but I just didn't know it. I didn't know it until you get older and you look back at it. And I think there's some, some truth in that. Uh, you know, without making anyone feel bad, they're missing things. Yeah, I agree with you totally. I mean, things have just changed a huge amount. It, it was the first liveaboards, the first dive computers. I started with flashbulbs, you know, strobes. I, people, I, I assume if people watch this that are young, they won't know what I'm, we're talking about when we say a flashbulb. Um, but you could take four pictures. I think you could start with one flashbulb originally. And, and you had to then underwater unscrew this thing and put it in a little mesh bag and screw in another one before you could take a second picture. And now you can take 15 images a second for seconds on end. You know, it's just a different world. You've just, you've just reminded me of my first camera and I made it myself. Well, I didn't make a camera, I made the housing. So it was before I went to college to learn about photography and, and to get into the interview, I thought I'd, I'll, I'll make a little bit of an effort. And uh, so I got a luncheon box, a little Tupperware luncheon box. I cut a hole for the lens, put some glue some glass on it. And uh, then I cut a hole in, in the top with a, a finger from a rubber glove and a bit of um, a toothbrush. So you wind the film on, put it in, tape it all up, go down a couple of feet, press the button, but then I have to come back up again and undo it all to wind the film on again. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, it was just such great fun, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was. It absolutely, and, and for all the frustration, for all the times that gear, because we grew up then in an era where there were some bad designs. There, there were things that were just inherently going to flood or going to malfunction or the pieces were dissimilar metals or whatever. In the days when it didn't work, it, it, that wasn't much fun. It's not much fun today. Um, that's, that's something we share. But when you look back at it, were they the best time ever in my life? A absolutely. A absolutely. Miss them terribly. Yes, you're right. There were some terrible moments. In fact, if Peter, occasionally, very occasionally, someone said, oh, could you, can we have a look at some of your early films? Oh, and, and I refuse. I say, <laughs> look, honestly, because I, if I look back on a VHS cassette or something, it, it's, I mean, the, the, the story is there and the rest, but the graininess and they're not sharp compared to today. They look good at the time. But uh, you stick it on a, a 4K TV and you think, oh, my God, that's awful. That's and, and not only that, if you're in the world, audiences are much more sophisticated 
now. And I, I grew up, I don't know if you ever would have seen this series. There was a series on American television that was Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Yeah. And it was a big deal. Marlon Perkins was the host of the show. And he took people around the world on, he was the uh, Steve Irwin, uh, before Steve Irwin. And, and uh, we shot what we called 100% continuity. So if somebody turned a light on, you saw that person say, oh my, it's dark in here. And then you would see a cutaway to a light switch across the room. And then you'd see this guy walk across the room, flip on the light, and then you'd see a close-up of the light going from, you know, dark to light, which was a great educator as a filmmaker. But when you look at it now and those sequences were shown in films, they make you want to gag, you know, that, that audience can understand if it's dark, turn on the lights, would you? You know, that's, that's no mystery, but it was, so filmmaking is so different. And the, a lot of takes, a lot of the cuts were 12, 15 seconds long. You don't see that today. So it's just everything's evolved. Everything's changed. And it's time for a younger generation to make it better. Yeah, I, absolutely. And, and some of the stuff I see is just out of this world. It, it's, it's amazing. It's scary. I know I came along at the right time because I don't know how to do that stuff. <laughs> and... Back to the photography, You're, you teach photography, you teach underwater um, photography? I, I have for years. Uh, what I've done mostly is written about it. I've been a columnist for magazines and certainly for dive training. I've written a column behind the lens once a month for 20 something years. And I had before, before that was with other magazines. And I teach, I, I, I teach one-on-one. Uh, on a website uh, through, my, through MartySnyderman.com, teach one-on-one kind of customized classes depending on where a person is and if I think I can help them and, you know, where they're trying to go. I used to teach and would still do it, traveling around. I started off traveling around the world for Nikon or Nikonis, uh, which was obviously their underwater division. And then a lot of photographers started doing that. So everybody wanted to go to the Cayman Islands and, and, and bring a group of people. And what I learned is that if I would go to Detroit or St. Louis or where, you know, inland United States, teach the class there when the group went, when I took the group to, to Grand Cayman, I could go diving instead of go to a classroom. And that's what I wanted to do when I was on location. So I was happy to travel to place to Detroit, Michigan, or Dallas, Texas, or Kansas City, teach an all-day seminar, and then go diving when we got to Bali or wherever we were going. Um, made more sense to me. And now, of course, Zoom. Uh, do, do you do most of your courses on Zoom? A a absolutely. Now, the one-on-one, -on -one, I should have said that, it's all on Zoom. Right. And uh, so people schedule at their own convenience, you know, Set, they, there's a calendar there for availability. They pay through P PayPal and I get a notice and I send them a little, you know, thank you. I've got your notice. And five minutes before the class, I send them an introduction and off we go. Yeah. Remarkable. It, um, it certainly has changed life with, with your one-on-one -on -one students. Um, in the end, it's a one thing that you would tell your students or advise your students on how to be 
a good underwater photographer? I mean, what, what's a really important ingredient, either, either in them or their equipment, or what is you know, it, what do you think? I, I think it's, it's practice the fundamentals. I, I think one of the things that has kind of set me apart in thinking about how to approach this, I think when you get in a, a room full of underwater photographers, who are my friends at the cocktail party or whatever. And people are, they're, they're so, the conversations always go to the latest, greatest piece of gear. Who's got more megapixels? Who's got the brightest stroke, whatever. And often when I see people, they, other folks, they get hung up in that equipment race and have never read the directions. And I've often started, when I teach classes in person, I'll have a group of 12 or 15 people in a class. And when I'm teaching in, at, not in San Diego or not in Solana Beach where I live, I don't know these people. So I'm walking in in the first five minutes, I'm meeting them and I've got advanced and less, you know, people and they're not as experienced and people that are good at Photoshop, people that can't spell Photoshop and all in the same room. And my job is to make them all better that day and get their, for them to get their money's worth. But I'll often start by asking people who thinks you're advanced, who considers yourself advanced, who's a beginner. The advanced, half the time, half the people raise their hand, I'm advanced. So you have to think, well, what are you doing here if you're advanced, but let you see. So then I say, you know, it, it happens that way. And I see I've got a lot of advanced people. Would To help me out, would any of you, uh, be willing to come up and explain to the class how a camera works and just, and, and if you would just kind of draw that diagram for us and for the class, people start looking at their shoes. Nobody wants me to say, okay, Jeff, would you, you know, would you be that volunteer? And photography to me has always been funny in that way. I, I played a lot of sports growing up. You practice and you practice the fundamentals and you practice that and it wasn't the super, how did the superstar get to be the superstar? Yeah, he had some God-given abilities, but they knew the fundamentals. They practiced them. And I think you hear underwater photographers, as soon as they say, I went down, I played with my F-stop and I played with ISO and I played with the aperture. My, my thought is you're not going to learn anything except how to, how to twist knobs on your camera system. You have to do this thing methodically. You have to understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. And that, and when somebody says they're playing with it, I, I know I can help them if they'll allow me to say you can't, you, there's a better way. And so I, I think knowing fundamentals, I guess getting back to your question and reading the manual, understanding what your camera can and can't do and practicing, even if it's on your couch, how to manip how do you get to the controls and the menus in your camera? But it's inevitable in the digital world. You're going to hit the wrong button or twist a knob in the wrong direction. You're going to think, oh, what did I do? You're going to twist the next knob, and then you can't get back to where you needed to be. And opportunities get away from you. And you get frustrated. And so just try to help avoid those things. Um, Indeed, absolutely. It's it's. Um, I agree with you on all those points. Um, on the on the classes that I've taken, but it's with video, not um, mm -hmm. not stills. Uh, I can't overemphasize what you're saying about learn your camera because I've no idea what people are going to bring. Learn your camera before you come. It's going to save 
hours of talking to me about it, which is a bit of a waste of money. But just imagine you're not 100% with it. You haven't practiced on the sofa. And you get down and something amazing happens. Dolphin comes and says hello to you. And you're thinking, ah, oh, is it in focus? Is the exposure right? Am I, it should all be automatic by the time you get underwater almost. It, it, it should, and, but it requires practice. And one of the things, I am, I am in the process right now of writing an underwater photography course for NAWI. And one of the things I say in the introduction is the one thing I can't do is read your manual for you. You're going to have to do that, and you're going to have to try. If you just listen to me spit out the words, or you put the book underneath your pillow, you will not get any better. You know, you, you're going to have to skin your knees a little bit, but it's kind of like analogous to riding a bicycle. And that's my, that's my take. And I think as an instructor, I don't know if it's good or bad or just a reflection of my personality, but if you ask me a question, my kind of reflexive reaction is to say, well, what do you think? Rather than just spit out the answer to someone, because I think when you do that, they start to try to memorize photography. They've got as many fingers as they can and as many holes in the dike, and then they're on overload. And the point of teaching someone is to, to teach them to recognize the scenario they're in, the picture they want to get, and how do they take themselves and their equipment to that point? It's not about doing what I do. It's about teaching people how to think their way through the process and not memorize their way through it. It's too much. Um, do you ever get people that suddenly decide halfway through your course or towards the end, actually underwater photography is not for them? I, I have had that. Yeah, uh, I, I have, and I and I try to. T I mean, you've you've got to be a little bit mechanically inclined. You've got to be willing when you put your camera equipment together not to do it at the dinner table. Uh, you, you've got to stay focused on a task. Um, if you want the the thing, I don't enjoy. How do I say it? If people are trying to pursue mediocrity, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's boring. And, but I love to help people that are really trying to do the best they can. But, but it's not for everybody. People's lives are full and they don't want another job. If they don't see it as a hobby, if they see, I mean, you know, if they see it as a job, sure. Yeah, it's not for them. You know, they're not bad people. It's just, yeah, it's not for them. I'm, you know, I, I shouldn't be a horticulturalist. It, it's not, it's not who I am, you know? So uh, if, if I learned that, the earlier I learned that in class and move on, the better off I am. One of the things that, uh, well, the mo probably the most important thing I do with the video classes is that I combine it with, or I base it on animal behavior. Uh, and, and conservation and uh, what, what's actually happening, which is slightly easier with video because you can capture behavior easier than you can with a still photograph. Um, and I find that involvement then of what species are doing that allows people to start to tell a story of some sort in their heads. So they, they've got a goal then. And, and the, the, the mechanical stuff of using the camera 
very quickly becomes second nature because they're actually now trying to to find something specific do you do that in any way with um still photography do you bring in conservation or animal behavior or what people are actually looking at so th this is a marty thing i don't know that other people organize their pictures this way but i, I have a presentation about photographing reef creatures and I have kind of five categories. And there is an ID shot, identification shot, which you might see on the wall of an aquarium where the, a fish is parallel, its body is parallel to the sensor and you see all its fins and it's a relatively boring photograph, but you can look at that fish in the tank and go, aha, that's a particular type of butterfly fish or angelfish. There's a more animated shot when the fish is angled more towards you, not head on, but 15 to say 45 degrees off. It, it gives an animal more personality. I think a lot of people like to shoot portraits like that and those kinds of photographs. After a while, I get bored with that. What floats my boat is animal behavior. And that's what I love to photograph. And, I, and so, to get it right, you've got to know something about your subject. You, you're not going to just, I mean, you do stumble onto behavior sometimes, but you find them better if you know your subject better. If you get in the water, the game, the challenge and the fun to me, now I've, I've made lots of dives and I realize everybody can't be where I am. Every student can't be, but the fun is to think of what I want to shoot, try to shoot first and then get in the water and go find that photograph, find the opportunity. That's the chess game with nature to me. And I love shooting behavior. It was really interesting. It registered with me a moment ago when you said shooting, filming behaviors easier with video. And I thought, well, I wonder if I agree with that or have to think about that because you have to put a sequence together. And, and I, I can put a series of shots together, and, and I, but I feel the same way about photo contests. I don't like, I've judged a lot of photo contests, and you, you see, here's the, the category is macro. So, so somebody gets one macro photograph, does that make them a better photographer than the, yeah, photography may not be competitive in that way, but then the guy sitting next to him, but I'd love to see a portfolio of someone's images, wide angle, macro, behavior, silhouettes, whatever. And I think of that way, like with the behavior, you want to capture every little nuance of the behavior. And I think that's what makes, that's the, that, that's the most rewarding photography for me. I'm, I, I would go swim with humpback was all day today if I could, but I'd much rather get a shot of a, of mating or nursing or a competitive group than just being in the water with whales. That, that sounds a little greedy, I know. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 not at all. No, not at all. It's, um, and you're talking about whales there. I mean, do, do you get the same amount of pleasure out of yes. photographing the whale as photographing a, a goby? Um, I, I guess I think you should ask the the other way around, okay. do I get as much pleasure out of the goby? And the answer is that surprisingly I do. 
Yeah, uh, we'll do. But but the reason is it's not just the goby. What I want to do is photograph the life of a goby. I want it to. I want my photographs. For for me, I like the challenge, and for my mother, who's not a diver, I want her to see. I want to share all the nuances of nature that I'm able to capture. That that share the magic. Uh, you know, it all sounds kind of airy comments, but that's what I see. That's, that's the thing about nature that I love. Ain't, Mother Nature's the coolest lady on this planet. And, and you, wanna, you want to, the more you try to photograph it, the more insight you get, the more you realize you don't know, the more questions come up in, you know, my mind and things I want to photograph. And that's the, that's the whole, that's why I've not gotten bored with diving and I won't. Um, and I do understand that, you know, for all the magic in diving, there are a lot of people on this planet that after 10 dives are tired of blowing bubbles and they don't see, I want them to be able to, for maybe selfish reasons, see what I see. Um, Yes, indeed. And, and well, maybe, maybe it's feel what I feel, but it's a combination of both. I was going to ask you um, if after all these years and uh, your experiences, you still enjoy what you do, but I think you've answered it already, really. Yeah, and I miss it terribly during COVID. Yes. Um, what you realize, what I realize, I'm 71. Uh, 71 and a half. You start saying those halves again when you're trying to be proud of how long you lived. Um, you know what? Did your lights just go out? Ah, they, yeah, they, now they came back on. There they go. Oh, really? Oh, uh, maybe it's because yeah. uh, I moved. Yeah, and, and the Zoom thing. Sorry, I just, yeah, it yeah, just yeah. got me going. I thought I was losing connection. Um, and the question was, uh, sorry, and I allowed myself to get distracted. What, what you're asking me, well, I know we're talking about gobies and whales. And do I still enjoy it? Ah, COVID. I know what I was saying. <laughs> You, you get to my age, you realize you don't, this is not an infinite game. You've only got so many more years. I don't know if it's one or hopefully or five or 10, but a significant percentage of my diving life, I didn't get to dive this year, hardly at all this past year. And, and there's not time to make up for it. You can't go to all the places. I realize I can't go back to places, can't go back to the ones I hadn't been to yet. And, uh, you know, and, and so, yeah, I miss, I miss it. I, I, I'm ready to go. Yeah, me, me too. Absolutely. It has been, um, in terms of diving, a painful period of time. And I still haven't been diving for, well, beginning of last year, really. So, well, since COVID started, and uh, God, God, I miss it. It's and, uh, and I will tell you, diving in cold water, temperate water in California. I'm a dry suitor, and uh, typically, and I was on a dive last September, which it had been January. Free diving with sailfish in uh, off the coast of Mexico, Isla Mujeres, uh, off the Yucatan all the way till September since I'd been in the water. And I got in the water with dry suits and new dry gloves and whatever. And I've done this thing for 40 years, but it was weird. And, you know, I was awkward. I, I, and I think we get awkward in, in a matter of a couple of months. 
it's, it's pretty rare for me to be out of the water that long, but it's happened. And I'm not as good the first dive or two back. And as I've gotten older, when I worked in the film business, there, there were times I was in the water 200 days a year. I'm not now. My diving thoughts and reflexes, if you will, they're not as sharp as they were. I hate to admit that, but I know it inside. And so for everybody, after the layoff that has been from COVID, I I have concerns about diving safety for people and for the, you know, I I know people aren't going to do as well photographically. we're, We're not as good as we used to be. The skills get rusty. And uh, so I, I, I didn't really know I was going to segue this way, but I've written a book recently. I don't know if you know that or not, called 101 Tips for Underwater Photographers. And uh, with Eric Reich, who's my partner, Eric, does, do you know the, the books, the New World Publications? Yes. Uh, yes IB yes. books. Yes, Eric yes, does yes. all the, the graphic and layout for those iconic ID books. Fantastic. So, so we are publishing a series of eBooks and our first one was 101 tips for underwater photographers. And a lot of it was motivated by the fact that I, I know what's going to happen to people after a layoff. The people that aren't in this profession will be more inclined to assume that they're as good as they were the last day they were in the water with their camera and that their mind works as fast and, and that they'll have all the camera parts. And, that, and so I wrote, it's not just what you do underwater, but the, but the tips in the books encourage people to put their camera system together a few weeks before their next trip. Make sure they know where the parts are. Make sure things work. Make sure they remember how things work. It, it, it's, a lot, it's a lot of that. Um, there's also a lot of what you do underwater. Um, you know, techniques that are just refreshers. I don't think I share much that is this magical secret of how, why I think I'm a good photographer, take good pictures. I don't think I have one. I think I'm trying to encourage people to go back to the fundamentals and and apply them Um, and just trying to refresh their memory a little bit. When's the book coming out? Do you know? It's out. It's, it's, it's available on yep. Amazon and Apple Books, 101, and uh, our, our <laughs> arrogantly named website is wisedivers.com, so you can learn about the books there, but you can go to, uh, to the Apple Bookstore or Amazon, uh, it's 101 Tips for Underwater Photographers, and we've got <clears throat> uh, more books in the pipeline, just finished right before we talked today, I finished editing our second book uh but it will come out probably simultaneously with our third book it is amazing animals you can encounter underwater um got a book coming out on 101 tips for safety and something on the history of diving um and on the uh, and on the, the secret lives of gobies which is just fascinating so uh <laughs> I, which i did not i did not write right um, um so uh it's, <laughs> And it's been a way to, for me to stay in touch with diving um, during COVID. So you, you got to be a little flexible in this, or pliable, or whatever in this life, and keep going. Martin, it's been lovely talking to you. Um, uh, and um, I mean, you kind of covered it in a way, but um, I was going to ask what um, what's next for you. You know, what you would like to do, but. 
I think you've covered it by saying your books are, uh, that, that you're starting to write. Is, is that your main projects now? I would like to go diving. Nah. That's what I'd really like to do. I, yes. I am so ready. Personally, I have not been ready to get on an airplane yet. I'm double vaccinated. No, no. have been there for about five weeks. Thank you to all those people that made that happen. Um, I haven't been ready to travel. I'm becoming more confident about it. Um, my first trip, I need to go see my mother. Uh, who I have not seen, and my, but I may have my diving gear with me. She's in Texas. Uh, my accent is from Arkansas, and you don't want to accuse an Arkansan of being a Texan. But, uh, but mom, mom is in Texas, and uh, but I would like to think that I'm going to get on a plane before too long with all my dive gear, make a stop to see mom, and then go somewhere. And um, and, and certainly, I'm going to dive in, in California, some, and I can. Uh, my next trip that's on the books is to a place called God's Pocket, which is in Vancouver, Canada, or up in the in Canada. But it's not until this fall, and, and clearly I'm not waiting that long. Well, I hope it comes round quickly. And uh, this horrible waiting is, is over soon. Marty, once again, fabulous talking to you. Thank you very much for taking the time. And... Um, for now, I'll um, wind it there and say goodbye. Jeff, th thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Hope I didn't do too much talking, but I I've enjoyed it. It just, man, it makes me excited about going diving. Thank you so much. No, you, you've, you've made me excited about going diving too. It's been well, too long. I hope I see you there. All right. Well, take care now. Cheers. Bye-bye.